thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Like I said, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. We've been in our season of Advent, which is uh, not a word that we made up or anything else. It's a Latin word that means to come. And what we're doing is we're focusing on the uh, arrival of Christ. What the ancients waited for, we celebrate, right? That we talked the first week about the uh, anticipation that the Messiah was going to come, the King of Kings, the Savior of the world. When would he come? We talked about all the prophecies that would be fulfilled, the way we would know that the one who came was the one that we were waiting for, and we talked through that. Last week, we talked about uh, the, uh, the announcement and how this unlikely announcement came to a very unlikely couple and that God uses unlikely people like you and I. And so we worked our way through that with, uh, with Turner. And then today we're looking at the arrival. What we're doing is we're working our way through the month, which I hope you're doing personally. We have, uh, I just want to say how excited I am. We did some research on our website and uh, Man, you guys are hitting that Advent page like crazy. We're excited about it. You, some of you are going through the calendar. Some of you pulled down some of the resources. And you're using it to walk your family, to walk yourselves, to prepare our hearts, rightly so, for the celebration of Jesus Christ and the King that came to save us all. And so we're really excited about that. But the idea that we're preparing means this, that someone incredibly important is coming. That's what uh, Advent is all about. We're preparing for someone incredibly important. And that we're going to do everything we can to be prepared for that moment. Right? We do that when people are going to show up. Some of you are going to have a lot of family at your house. Some of you are going to have a lot of people over at your house. And you're preparing already for what that's going to look like and making sure the house is ready to go. Some of you will be going somewhere. You're preparing for your travel or your journeys to be able to uh, get someplace and all that. There's preparation that goes into it. Uh, somebody came up to me after last service and said, hey, I thought about this whole thing about preparing. And I said, yeah. And he goes, most of us are pro- procrastinators. And I said, yeah, that's, I, I'm, I'm one of those. And uh, they said, we wait till the last minute. And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, don't do that with Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, preach it. I was like getting an extra little sermon down here. It was awesome. Yeah, but that's right, isn't it? That's the whole idea of Advent. Let's not wait till the last minute. Let's not let Christmas suddenly sneak up on us and go, oh, yeah, Jesus as well, right? No, the whole thing is about Jesus. Our life is changed and altered and History has been changed, and there's, there's hope for our lives, and there's peace that's been given because of Jesus. We have this change of seasons and change of moments where we, it's just a little different in the month of December. So let's make it really different, and let's have our focus be completely on Christ, constantly drawing it back to who he is and what he's done. And so we're going to do that this morning. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Again, if you open up your Bibles, it's there. If you need to look on the screen, it's there too. But I'm going to go ahead and get started. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, the arrival, it's happened. He's here. During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, 
and all Jerusalem with him. Remember, when you're reading scripture, look at for textual clues. Look at clues through it about timing and dating and what's taking place and, and what's supposed to be of great importance. We just read something just like that. King Herod heard this and he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel, a king and a shepherd, a servant king. That's who our Jesus was. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. What an evil man Herod was. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw a child, a text clue, right? On coming to the house, they saw a child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed, warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Father, thanks for your word and that you have given us so much and you've given us detail and yet you've left things in there that are a mystery. And, but Father, all things point to you and your great provision and your providence and your plan and that you came near to us. And so we praise you for that, Lord. May it change our lives and may it redirect our steps. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. So, here's what we know about this passage, that we know very little. So here's what we know about this passage, that we know very little. It's been one of the most, I don't know if you want to use the word abused, that might be too strong, I don't know, but it's been one of the most misunderstood passages in all of Scripture. There's been multiple, multiple false things written about it in the name of interpretation, and it was poor interpretation. And that doesn't mean that suddenly, you know, I can do better interpretation of people. It was just people wanting to make up a song or do something else. Like, for instance, these three kings. Where did that come from? That's not in Scripture. Was there only three? Are they kings? What's the deal with that? Or how about the song we just sang? Talked about three. Do we know that three came on bended knee? Do we know that? We don't know that. A lot of speculation about this passage. <clears throat> a lot of opinion. We're going to have more opinion today. I'm going to give you some opinion. But it's important that we say it's opinion. It's important that we say when we're looking at Scripture and we're unpacking Scripture and we're studying Scripture that we know what we can know, what the Lord has given us to know, and what we have to simply say, uh, this is speculation. This is wondering. This is a good, educated guess. But we don't know. And the Lord didn't necessarily intend us to know so we have to get to what was of most important that he wanted us to know, okay? A lot of no's and a lot of don't know's, and I know all that, okay? So let's get moving forward. <clears throat> the word translated wise men or magi refers to a group of scholars who studied the stars. 
Their title connects them with magic, but they were probably more like astrologers. And their presence, the very fact that it's written in there, does not in any way, shape, or form give a a divine endorsement of astrology. Scripture is very clear that we're not supposed to be involved in witchcraft or astrology or anything like that at all. We are not told their number, their names, their means of transportation, meaning that they weren't necessarily on camels or horses. Most probably were, but doesn't say it. Doesn't say the specific country or countries in which they came. What it does say is they came from the east. What it does say is, is, is most likely a long and it was most likely a long and dangerous journey from the east, because most journeys would have been, and most roads and most ways that would lead to Jerusalem would have been pretty dangerous. It's most likely because the Magi were considered wise men and counselors to kings of the Persian and Mede empires. And so most likely, uh, they came from ancient Persia, which is now Iran, or, the, uh, or, or, or part of Babylonia, which is now Iraq. Uh, wherever they came from, it was a significant journey. Some have suggested that it was even further east than that. It's possible. But what we need to keep in mind is that they weren't Jews. What we need to keep in mind is that which we know is that they were Gentiles that came to worship the king of the Jews. What is going on there? Significant. Remember John 4, 42? That Jesus would be the savior of the world. The savior of the world. From the very beginning, from even while he was, his mother was caring for him, while Mary was caring for him, the world would show up in worship. Gentiles would give their time, their talents, their resources to show up and worship the living God. These men were wealthy. The Magi in their own right, we're assuming that's who these were, the the history of the Magi. They were very well educated, scholars and scientists in their own right. Length of time. What, what time was this? We have all of our little nativity scenes that have the, the shepherds and the, the animals and the magi in the stable. Yet our text said they were where? In a house. Which means it wasn't that time at all, was it? And we're going to, I'm going to read you something that John MacArthur wrote because I hope it will be encouraging to you. But they had already most likely taken Jesus for, the, for his circumcision. And, uh, and had already presented their offering, which was a, the offering of a poor couple, not ones who had just received a large sum of gold. Hmm. Okay. So we know that it was even after that time. Let, let me read this to you from John MacArthur. The events discussed in this passage probably occurred several months to years after Jesus was born. We see from from 2, verse 11, that Jesus' family was now staying in a house rather than a stable where he was born. Jesus, therefore, would already have been circumcised and Mary would have completed her period of, her period of purification. The fact that she offered a pair of turtle doves and two young, or two young pigeons 
instead of the normal lamb indicates that the family was poor. Had this offering been made after the Magi with their expensive gifts had already visited Jesus, the lamb could easily have been afforded and would have been required. Harold would later decree that all male children under the age of two be killed in order to ensure that the king the Magi had come to worship would no longer be a threat to him. Adding to our understanding that this time was longer than the immediate birth or those few first days that followed the birth of Christ. So, let's kick the Magi out of the nativity scenes. Okay, just kick them out. God gave them a special sign, we understand that. A miraculous star that announced the birth of the king. Uh, the star led them to Jerusalem where God's prophets told them that the king would be born in Bethlehem. They went to Bethlehem and there they worshiped the Christ, right? Now, here's an interesting thing about the town of Bethlehem that we do know. That, that means the house of bread. Remember what the Lord Jesus was? One of his titles was the bread of life. Kind of fun. What about this light? What do we know about this light? Was this just a, a big star? So that we can always see that big star in the sky? And then if we just look up in the sky, there'll be a big star, and that must be where Jesus is at, so let's follow the star. Or was there something unique going on here? What were the, well, we don't know. We just know it was there. There's been speculation that it was a, a very large comet, and that they were following the trail of the comet. Maybe. As astrologers, maybe they had seen something in the, in the stars and how they put together that they just kind of said, I, I think this is it, and this would be the good pathway. Maybe. The Magi were known of traveling from place to place and uh, announcing a king's presence for sure, and anointing kings. They were known for that. Maybe that's how it was. Or was this a specific creation by God for this particular event? Something like the Shekinah glory that was witnessed in the cloud and the desert that led the people through the desert that they could follow. Was it maybe the Shekinah glory of God on display in all the sky that lit the sky up and said, go and worship? Could it be that the Shekinah glory of God led these Gentile people who had really no understanding of Yahweh that we would know of to go and worship Jesus, the Savior, and to bring gifts that would provide for Jesus' earthly family who was poor and impoverished. Could it be? That's the one I'm going to go with. We're not told how the star ended up there or what it was. We just know there was a light in the sky that led them. And we know that that fits the character and mode of operation of Yahweh. He will be our light. We will know where to go. And it will always lead us towards our worship of him. He's a good God like that. We don't know how many magi there were. We talked about, kind of laughed for a moment. We don't know if there was three. We don't know if there was 30. We don't know if there was 300 or 3,000. There was more than one. Honestly, while we don't know that there wasn't just three, it would seem the most improbable possibility that there was just three. They traveled a treacherous path and a journey to get there. 
and they came with wealth and gifts, they would have been robbed. They undoubtedly came with an entourage. They undoubtedly came with security and a, and a whole wealth of people. And what else gives us a clue about that from the passage is not only was Herod disturbed, but all of Jerusalem with him. These people showed up. Where's the king? And I'm sure Herod and all of his pride and arrogance was going right here. No, the king of the Jews. Yeah, that's what they call me. No, the real king. Where's he at? I don't know. See, the people right there in Jerusalem with Bethlehem just a short distance away didn't even know where the king of the Jews was. Didn't know where the king of all kings, the prince of peace was. And here they show up, Gentiles from a distant land. They show up and say, where's the king? I don't know. What about the people in our lives? To see the glory of God all over us. To see the glory of God coming out of our lives. And they say, where's the king? Where's the one that's, that's doing that in your life? Where's the one that has changed you so much? Where's the one that has altered everything about you? Where's the one that caused you to be like that? Where's, where's that one at? May we never be like the people of Jerusalem and go, oh, I don't know. Oh, may that not be us. May we be ready to give an answer for our faith and what has happened and what has transformed our lives for the glory of God that exists within us and shines through our lives. May we be so ready to give an answer for that and so anticipating the moment that we'll be able to engage with somebody and share the God that has changed everything about us. But we know that it disturbed this Entourage showed up, disturbed a city. And we know that there would be more than one. What about this King Herod dude? He was a ruthless murderer. He had his own wife and two brothers slain because he suspected them of treason. He was married at least nine times in order to fulfill his lust and strengthen his political ties. And then he ordered every baby under two to be killed. He was a liar and an evil person. And he sought not to worship Jesus, but to harm him and to destroy him. To thwart the plans of God. What is it that we know about the story that can give us great hope? You cannot thwart the plans of God. You cannot knock the Lord's feet out from underneath him. You cannot stop that which the Lord is doing, nor can anyone else in your life. Take great comfort in that. Take great security in that. Take great hope in that. So that's what we do know about the story. What about these gifts? Well, here's what we know. It was gold, it was frankincense, and it was myrrh. Why? All we can do is speculate. It doesn't say why. But here's what we do know about the ancient world. Gold was given to kings. When you showed up, it was the proper gift to give to a king. If you were poor, if you had very little, you would find a sliver of gold maybe and offer gold to the king. To give to a king gold was the right gift to give. So these magi show up and present gold as their first gift to who? The king of all kings, the Lord of lords, the almighty God, acknowledging his earthly authority as the true king. Frankincense. 
This one is a little more difficult to pinpoint the reason for the gift. Here's what we know. In the ancient world, incense was primarily used for worship. It was used by priests. As we saw in the Jewish temple worship system, there was an altar of incense tended to by the priest that symbolized the prayer of God's people rising up to the Lord. Remember Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he was bringing prayers to the Lord at the table of incense. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So what was it? Was the incense given to the Lord because they were acknowledging his, his divinity? Maybe. Was it their prayers? Symbolism of that? Uh, maybe. Was it given to him because he's our great high priest and he will go before, he will constantly intercede on our behalf before the Lord? Maybe. Maybe it was a little bit of both. Maybe. We don't know, but we do know that in the ancient world, that's what it stood for. Myrrh. This is the strangest among the three, for sure. Myrrh was used in the ancient world for anointing the dead at the time of their burial. Not exactly the gift you bring to a young newborn child or, you know, one or two-year-old. Hey, so good to see you. When you die, here you go. Here's some anointing oil for you. What? Can you imagine mom getting that? That, that seems a little weird. Seems a little weird. Except for, remember, when the, the women went to the tomb of Jesus? They were bringing spices and perfumes to anoint Jesus' body. They would have had myrrh with them. I wonder if this isn't just the most beautiful picture of God's provision. A poor couple who was in a tough spot, not having had their final betrothal, the, the, the marriage ceremony, and found to be with baby and now in Bethlehem instead of Nazareth and just a tough spot. And the Lord said, I got you. I got you. I can send resources and money and people from all over the world. Watch. I got you. Isn't that great news? The Lord has you. And he can send help from anywhere he wants to. He has your needs absolutely taken care of. And he can bring that help from anywhere he wants to. Could it be that these, these incense that were given, that all those times that the Lord pulled away and prayed to our Father, maybe he was using those, the frankincense. Maybe he was using it. We have no idea. That's pure speculation, but maybe. Maybe it would be a reminder just simply to Mary of the divinity of her son and to offer her prayers on a constant basis to the Lord. Maybe. Or maybe it was just more proof more for Mary that this was the great high priest we had all waited for. Maybe. Or what about the myrrh? Could it be that the Lord was even showing, I will provide even to your very last breath. I will take care of you. I have you well in my grip. I don't know. But those are the three gifts. So, in our preparation, Jesus has arrived. Jesus has arrived. Now the question is posed to you. What will you offer the King of Kings? What will you offer him? We're going to use the same story and walk through. Because I think they brought more than their treasure. And I hope it can challenge us. 
The very first thing we find back in Deuteronomy is what is it that we bring our great Savior and King? We bring him everything. Everything. It is the only option for all those that are his. There is no other option for us. Remember Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And then Jesus reiterated that when he was asked, what is the greatest command? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest command. The second is like, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You take that love you have for God, the love you've experienced for him, and now you go love others. You give him everything, not part of it. And in our preparation for Christmas, as we're preparing to get just the right gifts for different people, preparing our homes, preparing our families for just that right moment where they unpack this really right gift, right? We have this gift and boom, we can't wait. We've wrapped it up. We've put so much time and we've put so much attention into it. And it's just the right perfect gift. And somebody's going to grab it from under the tree and they're going to they're gonna begin to rip it open. And oh man, I can't believe it. St. John's Bay quality footwear. You got to be kidding me. Memory foam. This is a good deal. I can't wait to open it up. Oh, right. And they put some extra tape on there and the box drops. There's nothing in it. Nothing in it. Number one, next week, we're going to unwrap the gift of Christmas and everybody here is going to see Jesus. But let us not give empty hands and an empty life to our Lord who gave us everything. Let us give him the greatest gift, which is our everything. To love him with our whole heart is to give him all that we are, that we hold nothing back. And we're constantly doing an inventory, especially right now. Lord, is there anything I've held back from you? Is there any part of my life that I haven't extended to you? Is there anything that's mine and I've, I've wrapped it up and held it for myself? Let's ask that question. Let's constantly ask that question in preparation for the Lord's arrival that we are going to celebrate. Lord, do you have my whole life? Inform me, teach me, show me. Because if you don't, I want to surrender you my everything because you are the love, my, the love of my heart, the love of my mind, the love of my strength, the love of my devotion. You are my God and I give you myself. Could there be a better gift to give our Lord Jesus today? There's not. Let's walk through and look at what the Magi gave. They gave their talents. We too need to give our talents. Don't hold those back. We need to give our talents and our gifts to the Lord in worship. He made you the way he made you. He gave you the mind he gave you. He gave you the talents and the abilities and the skills that you have. He gave you the spiritual gifts that you have. Use them in your worship for the Lord. Use them to learn more about him. Use them to encourage other people, to love other people. Use them to grow in your devotion to him. Use him to discover more about his character and to grow in knowledge and how you will greatly, or, or I should say more greatly, surrender your life to him. Are you a researcher? Then research the word of God first. Are you an encourager? Then encourage somebody in the name of God and in scripture first. Are you a caregiver? Then give your care to God and the ones he is choosing you to care for. And that he's pointing out, are you a, a builder? And build in the name of Jesus what he's going to ask you to build. Give your talents to the Lord. Let him use them first. Your time. You're like, Magi, they give time? Yeah, they traveled this crazy journey. They gave their time. They saw a star in the sky or whatever it was that gave them to them. And it wasn't like they said, well, I'm a little busy today. My schedule's kind of full. That's eh, too big of a journey. It's going to take us a little bit too long. I don't think so. 
No, they went not even knowing who Yahweh was, not knowing Jesus. They just called him the king of the Jews. And they went on this journey. They gave their time in worship. Do we give our time to the Lord in worship? Or is that the one thing we hold back? Time is precious. And I know time is precious. We're busy. You bet we're busy. And we don't have time to get together. We don't have time to read the word. And we don't have time to be in a, a life group or a Bible study. We don't have time to do these things. And I know because I don't have time either. I can't figure out how in the world to get everything done in one day so my list keeps rolling over. And for some strange reason, it just gets bigger and bigger. You're just like that too, aren't you? We all are. And yet the days where I hold the time the 24 hours that I have in a day and I hold it open to the Lord and I say, today is your day. You dictate the time. You dictate the priorities. You dictate what's important. Those days become incredibly special. Those days become outrageous. Those days I see the impossible begin to take place. And those days my life is overwhelming with worship and my heart is incredibly full. My anxiety is less. And my joy is overflowing. Give him your time. The time to worship. The time to be with him. Give him your time. Your attention. <clears throat> and asked, where is the one who, who uh, has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They were attentive to what this star was. They gave attention to it. God was doing something in their midst. Not only did they have the talent to see it and judge it and to understand it, but they gave it their attention. The Lord's doing all sorts of unique things in your life. Does he have your attention? Have you given him your attention? There's an author and pastor, and, and I would call him a theologian. His name is Henry Blackaby. And he wrote a, a Bible study a number of years ago called Experiencing God. And in it, he has this just really simple phrase. He says, See what God is doing and join him. You want to know God's will for your life? See what God is doing and join him. Because he's working right here, right now. And if he's showing you that, then that's his will for your life. Jump into it. Be attentive to the movements of God. Be attentive to the voice of God. Be attentive to the word of God. Be attentive because you never know when the Shekinah glory is going to show up in the sky or in your very own heart directing you to a conversation, to a person, to the clerk at the store, to a mom at daycare, to wherever it would happen to be, that he says, you are my mouthpiece and I need your attention right now because I'm about to do something spectacular and change somebody's life. And I'm going to do it through you. Does he have your attention? He had the Magi's. And they didn't even know him. And we know who he is. And we know his great power. Does he have your attention? Treasures. Yeah, you knew I was going to get there, didn't you? Eh, I am. Our resources. Our physical resources. Our monetary resources. Our retirement funds. Our houses. Our vacation plans. Our, our treasures. The dream of a car of this type or that type, our treasures. I'm not telling you don't have them. Scripture doesn't say don't have those things. But are they the Lord's? Have you given them to him? And say, now you dictate, you direct, you use, 
You give me what I need, not what I want. And when it's your desire to give me what I want, I'll praise you for that too. But my resources are yours. I'm not telling you to give an extra penny to Leesburg Community Church. I'm saying that to give him our whole life, to give him everything, to give them, him the whole of our heart, mind, soul, and strength is to offer unto the Lord every part of our resources. And he can do far better than you ever dreamed you could have done. And to offer it to him in worship. Give him your resources and find out what he can do. And finally, your trust. Finally, your trust. Close it too soon. And having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Do you trust the Lord in his word? Do you trust his promises? Give him your trust. Lord, today, right now, in this moment, I give you the gift of my trust. When you say move, I'll move. When you say go, I'll follow. That's a song we sing. <laughs> right? It's much more than a song. It should be the worship of our lives. Lord, I trust you. And you can trust me. When you say go, I'll go. Because your plans are so much bigger than I could ever dream or imagine. And because they went the opposite way. And because they had left their gold, Mary and Joseph and Jesus went off to Egypt. And the Lord Jesus was not slain in that moment. <laughs> the plans of God were not thwarted. Because the Magi, who didn't even understand the, the, the great, magnificent picture of the baby king that they were talking to, obeyed the dream that the Lord instructed them through. How much more should we trust the voice of the Lord when the Holy Spirit dwells within us and we've had our life altered and changed and grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy has been poured and lavished upon us. May we trust the Lord and I know it's hard. There's a path right now in my life that I want to trust the Lord and it's hard. And I have every fiber of me screaming, I don't want them. I don't want them. I'm to trust the Lord. Give him your time, talents, attention, treasure, and trust. Give him your everything today. May that be your great gift. And in your preparation, ask all those questions. Does he have those things? How is it that you're going to surrender that this Christmas? Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your greatness and your kindness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your word that draws us and calls us into this deeper, closer relationship with you. And Father, we don't know how to give you everything, but teach us and call us to it and show us and that we would respond and trust to you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.